Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app. Or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network. Riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent to Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. So I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio. Now a podcast, I'm Dr. Steve. With my little wife, Tacey, the queen of mean, the vicar of liquor. She, who unlike lady diagnosis, will do absolutely nothing for a bottle of expensive wine, but will still demand it. Hello, Tacey. Hello, Steve. Do you like your new intro? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right, very good. Do you know the story about why lady diagnosis is um, introduced that way? No, I do not. Yeah, you, okay, you should ask her sometimes. She did tell it on the air, but uh, she um, apparently had a neighbor, and um, he kept bugging her and bugging her, and finally, uh, apparently, she agreed to show him her her um, implants if uh, he would buy her an expensive bottle of wine, <laughs> and so he never let her live it down. And then she said, "Well," and then he just kept bugging me. It's like, really? No shit. Of course he just kept bugging you. <laughs> I don't see her doing that. That's I can't funny. either. I think she's done things in her past, but she doesn't do anymore. She's quite delightful. But... <laughs> she is. <laughs> but And she's she's really open to telling crazy stories like that, too, which is really But she's fun. so calm. She is. 
well, that I be- would never expect her to do anything like that. I think some of that is she's doing transcendental meditation now, and she's been doing it for a while, maybe even just right after you first met her. I remember when she, she went, yeah. And I really think it's it's d- done something for her. So she keeps trying to get us to do it. And I tried to set us up, and you have to go to this town you know, 90 minutes away and you got to commit to all this time. It's just not happening. Do it. This is COVID-19 days. Let's do it by Zoom. Can we not do that? I'll pay for that. I mean, yeah, why not? Why do we have to go there? I I know. know. Why do we have to go there for them to teach us how to be peaceful and They just lost customers. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they're stupid. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, don't forget feels.com slash fluid, feels.com slash fluid for 50% off your first order if you decide to do a um, subscription for uh, broad spectrum CBD oil. It's pretty neat. Uh, check out stuff.drsteve.com, stuff.drsteve.com for all your Amazon needs. If you'll just use that every time you shop at Amazon, uh, that will really help us stay on the air and maybe even help us do a video component someday. You never know. If you need good earbuds, perhaps the best earbuds for the price on the market, tweakedaudio.com. It's T-W-E-A-K-E-D, audio.com. Use offer code FLUID and get 33% off. This isn't some namby-pamby 5% off thing or free shipping with any order over X number of dollars. This is 33% off of your order. So if you buy three things, you get one of them free if they're all the same price, okay? Um, And then noom.drsteve.com. I'm all back in with Noom again because I talked about last time I backslid a little bit. And uh, I'm all back in, and my weight's coming right back down again. I'm very happy. Good for you. The great thing I like about it is if if my weight starts to creep back up, I don't freak out anymore. I just know that I've got a plan, and Noom is my plan. So Noom.DrSteve.com gets you two free weeks and 50% off. No, that's wrong. 20% off uh, if you decide to uh, do the full three-month program. It's less expensive than Weight Watchers. There's no points. It's not a diet. It's a psychology app. And it helped me in my real life, too, other than just my weight loss life. And, uh, yeah, check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. If you want archives of this show, which why would you? But if you do, you can go to premium.drsteve.com, and you can get all the archives of the previous shows uh, for a buck ninety nine a month. And um, it's, you know, so you do it for a month and you download them all and then cancel it. It's totally fine. And uh, you can also, uh, on our website at drsteve.com, there's a place where you can purchase a thumb drive. It's a 32-gig thumb drive with 17 gigs of of content from going back to show number one on Riotcast. And there you go. There you go. All right. Very good. Well, hello. Here we are again. Here we are again. What is this? Week eight of this? Oh, my God. And it's only Wednesday. It is only Wednesday. I know. It's something, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. So I I understand you're getting ready to take a trip, though. Yes, I am. I um, can't fucking take it here anymore. (laughs) And so I am going to go see a friend and I'm going to fly to get there. Wow. So um, I'm going to get the COVID. No, well, you better not cuz I'm at uh I'm the one that's at risk. Uh you're not because you are quite a few years younger than I am. But um yeah, so how do you feel about getting on an airplane and go, it's not the airplane. There will be six people on your airplane. It's the terminal that kind of is the thing that's been bugging me, just the idea of it. Well, I plan on wearing a mask. Um, we did have a friend who went um, to St. Pete. Remember, we talked to her yesterday. Yeah. And she said that there's no liquor in the airports. And um, 
No, that's but interesting. I wonder why. No alcohol at all. And is it because they don't want people congregating at the bar, or is it because they don't want drunk people doing stupid stuff? I don't. I don't know. I I, I think that's interesting. Um, she also said, "What are you flying?" And I said, "American." And she said, "Well, get ready because they'll probably cancel your flight." <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Which would suck without alcohol. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but she said it was like a ghost town, so. Well, okay. Well, well, we'll see. You can report we'll back next time. We were supposed to report back this week on our um, foray into blood donation, and that didn't happen. Conference it's am- calls get in the way all the time. It's amazing how supposedly we don't have anything to do except our days are packed with Zoom meetings. Yes. And then and then how how lazy I am right now is... I don't have anything to do. I'm staring at my computer waiting on an email to come through. But if you add something to my schedule, it really just irks me. I am just have become the most lazy person in the whole world. You just can't. Don't give me anything to do. I just can't. I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to do it. Yeah. So don't want to do it. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. I do it what I want. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, you want to do some medical stuff, or what do you want to do? Yes, I have prepared nothing because, like I said, I'm lazy. And so I have no questions for you, no comments, and I probably won't pay attention. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I wanted to, you had brought up this Kawasaki disease thing which was very interesting and sort of disturbing, but um, not sure what to make of it. This was uh, symptom, symptoms of a rare inflammatory condition. In children, yeah, correct? Yeah, were, were identified in 15 children in New York City hospitals. And this, of course, alarmed pediatricians across the country and raised some concerns about a possible link to the coronavirus because, you know, there's this thing called coronavirus going around, too. Uh, And so far, kids have been relatively spared from this. If you look at the age distribution, 10 and below, the numbers are so low uh, as far as mortality to be virtually zero, although I know they're not exactly zero, but it's it's very close to being zero given the uh, number of total cases. And then even going up to... You know, young adults, they seem to be uh, doing very well with this. But here's these 15 cases, and they exhibited symptoms typically seen in a thing called Kawasaki disease or even toxic shock syndrome, which were things like persistent fever and uh, low blood pressure. Now, these kids were aged 2 to 15, and they were identified between April 29th and May 3rd, which is a very short period of time. They all had fever. More than half of them had a rash, abdominal pain, vomiting, or diarrhea. Well, you know, hmm, how often do we see fever, uh, uh, rashes, uh, you know, vomiting, and diarrhea during the regular year? Um, But uh, the New York Health Department uh, said less than half the patients exhibited respiratory symptoms, which is interesting. And only four of these only, but four of them tested positive for COVID-19, 11 of them tested negative. So this could be completely unrelated. Those four that were positive could be coincidental. So this could just be something else, and it's clustered in this small period of time. Uh, this is a question for epidemiologists to um, uh, determine. The, the, the history of epidemiology started in England during a cholera outbreak. And there was a physician, and you could look him up if um, okay. if you wanted to look up this guy's name is like Featherstone or something like that. Uh, his name escapes me right now, but uh, and he traced cholera to a single well in the middle of London where people were getting their water from, and this was the birth of epidemiology because it, it took some detective work. And contact, in, in his case, it wasn't really contact tracing, but he was tracing uh, people um, who got the illness and, and tried to find out what what factors were in common. This says John Snow. John Snow, that's right. That's right, because you know nothing, John Snow. Well, he <laughs> knew a lot. That John Snow knew a lot. Thank you. 
And yeah, so John Snow was the father, father of ep- modern epidemiology. And um, they're going to need epidemiologists on this particular, whatever this is, I don't even want to call it an outbreak, The this cluster of ailments to see if there's a common thread in there. And it's not COVID-19. You know, that doesn't appear to be a common thread, at least not uh, on the surface. And they don't tell what kind of tests they did on them. I'm assuming these were polymerase chain reaction tests that test for active RNA in the upper respiratory tract. Uh, it doesn't say whether they did antibody tests on them. So now if they were all were positive for IgM and IgG antibodies uh, for COVID-19 or for SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that causes COVID-19, which is the disease, um, if you remember, Tace, we talked about this before, IgM antibodies are the early antibodies and IgG antibodies are the ones that persist after you've had an illness. That's sort of the body's immune memory. And uh, if they had both of those, that would show that these people uh, tested negative because they had already started to clear the disease and were already forming those IgG antibodies, but they still had the acute phase antibodies. That would be very interesting um, uh, to know. Uh, So we don't know anything about this, and I haven't seen this come up anywhere else. It's this one cluster during this one week in this one place. So I'm... uh, hoping that this has absolutely nothing to do with this pandemic because that's just what we need is more more shit to worry about more shit so um but but very interesting um vaccines i'm getting more and more um uh optimistic that we may have a vaccine by september certainly by the first of the year now why so well because uh there are some accelerated vaccine trials going on. There's the one from Oxford, which at first I was discounting pretty significantly because they had demonstrated that their vaccine worked against rhesus monkeys. They had five rhesus monkeys. They inoculated them with the vaccine and then inoculated them with SARS-CoV-2 and they didn't get it. So that's pretty outstanding. In a series of five monkeys, they had 100% uh, uh, effectiveness. And I'm like, well, that's great, except Moderna's already got their vaccine in phase one trials getting ready to go to phase two. And so what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is apparently with this Oxford vaccine is that they were already studying it for other coronaviruses. And the safety studies have already been done. So they can oh. maybe get rid of phase one and maybe even phase part of phase two or phase two altogether and go straight to phase three. So theirs is sort of an interesting vaccine rather than just um, synthesizing a bunch of spike proteins and throwing them in a vial and injecting them. They actually use a what appears and I'm, I'm just learning about this virus. So I may get this wrong to the virologist. But I'll be yelling at their, you know, the the 1.2 virologists that listen to this show. <laughs> Both of them. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, there's two of them, but one's only listening sort of 20 with 20 percent of their brain. They uh, uh, are using a live attenuated approach where they've got a, a, a cold virus that has been relatively inactivated. And then they're sticking uh, their DNA in this cold virus and somehow or RNA and um, constructing a new live attenuated virus that will confer immunity to people. So um, it still needs to be tested in humans and uh, we need to test it for safety and effectiveness. But as I said, the original safety stuff's already been done. So you could do some of this in the field. So it'll be very interesting to see how this works out. Um, And then there are like 14 different vaccine candidates, and uh, the federal government has started this uh, warp warp speed um, uh, initiative to try to get a vaccine on the market as quickly as possible. Because, you know, we talked last time about herd immunity, and that's the the most painless way to get herd immunity in a population is through vaccination. It will also be interesting if the anti-vaxxers, some of those who may 
have been more politically minded rather than actually believing it should line up for a COVID-19 vaccine. Very interesting. So it will be very interesting Not to see. Not pumping my body full of chemicals, I'm getting man. that with this one, though, too. I'm getting a little blowback on that. In uh, uh, Some people say, well, I should just get the, the disease instead of pumping chemicals into my body. It's not chemicals exactly. But unless you, I mean, consider proteins to be chemicals. All right. So there we go. That's where we are on that. Uh, Favipiravir is a um, uh, a drug that was developed by Fujifilm, believe it or not. Well, I mean, who's using film anymore? They had to diversify into something. And uh, they have an, uh, a, a broad-spectrum antiviral that inhibits RNA polymerase. So when you're when you're an RNA virus, you've got to make copies of yourself, and so you need a polymerase uh, enzyme to do that, and it inhibits that. And uh, they've had some pretty good results in some small studies that aren't as constructed as the you know to the quality that I would like to see. But they're getting ready to do some um, uh, broader trials. The great thing about this drug is it's already on the market. It's on the market in Japan for influenza. So they've already done phase one, phase two, phase three for influenza. So now they can jump, really, just jump straight to phase three for um, uh, for COVID-19. Now, have we talked about the plasma thing? Uh, I, I don't remember, but we can. We can talk about that. That was one well, of the other want, new breakthroughs. I just wasn't paying attention last <laughs> week, and I don't want to bore people with... Um, <laughs> Well, it's it's hard for me to pay attention to now because that, again, require, requires work. And, and like I said. Well, and it's your I'm husband droning on and on. Droning and on. on and on. <laughs> I know. So, um, no, I get it. Yeah. If, if you haven't discussed plasma, let's talk about it. Okay. So, um, yes, plasma. Oh, well, let me finish with this uh, Favipiramir. God, now must. I've got it. Famipiravir. Okay. Um, shit. Now I'm having a mental block. Uh, I've got to look it up. Famipiravir. Favipiravir. Favipiravir. There it is. I did pay attention to something. Favipiravir. Yes. Okay. Very good. It's a pill. Oh. Okay. So if it works... This may be the magic bullet that we were looking for. Now, let's say it's 90% effective. That's great. You identify someone with um, uh, early stage COVID-19 in your office. They come in. You do the test. Uh, you give them favipiravir uh, prescription, and they take it for you know five to 10 days, and they don't go to the hospital, and they don't die. If if we have supplies and it works that way, and we can get these things down to uh, to that's Rosie, everybody meet Rosie. Come here, Rosie. Rosie, come here. Come here. Hush. Stop. You're goofy. Who are you barking at? Oh, is it Doctor Scott? Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. Get him. Is okay. he coming on up? No. I'm just trying to make her go. <laughs> make her run downstairs to go get somebody. You're listening to Weird Medicine. And though you will try to always get it right, the beauty of life lives inside of you. And I hope someday you find it too. Hey friends, do you experience stress or anxiety or chronic pain? Or have trouble sleeping at least once a week while you're not alone. A lot of us do. Personally, oh, COVID-19, thou destroyer of sleep. But not for me. I take my feels CBD every night and sleep like a baby with no high, no stupor, and no hangover. I was searching for anything that would help, and I discovered feels. Feels is a premium CBD, broad spectrum, delivered directly to your doorstep. And it naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. I'm telling you, um, you know, my sleep cycle is off and stress. And I wake up in the middle of the night and uh, the feels really makes a difference for me. I was skeptical, I will admit. And uh, it is anecdotal, but it does seem to really help me. 
Uh, you just place a few drops of feels under your tongue and feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is finding your right dose is important and everybody's dose is different. So leave room for experiment over the course of a week or so. You may need to take more or less to get the effects you're after. Are you new to CBD? Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help you guide your personal experience. Who else is doing that? Feels works naturally to help you feel better and there's no high hangover or addiction. And you can join the Feels community to get Feels delivered directly to your door every month and you'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel any time. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash fluid. And you get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash fluid to become a member. Get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash fluid. So uh, you were asking about convalescent plasma? Yes, I was. So when we are infected by some organism, let's say it's a virus, let's just, I don't know, just say it's a coronavirus or something, and you recover from it, the reason that you recovered was because you developed an immune response to that virus and cleared it from your system. And the body is pretty perfect at doing that. Molecule by molecule, virus by virus, clears it from your system until there are none left. Now, that's not the case in herpes and chickenpox, both of which are herpes viruses, because those retreat into uh, a certain part of the body that's not uh, accessible to the immune system, which is the nervous system. But uh, discounting those, for the most part, that's what happens. And then you'll have these circulating antibodies that are around always looking out for the return of that same enemy. And if one of those antibodies or a group of them uh, recognize a foreign invader that sends out a signal to the immune system, make more antibodies, mobilize white blood cells, come kill these bastards. And you can most of the time cut them off at the pass. And uh, that's what uh, uh, immunity is all about. Well, you can um, take someone's plasma, which is the clear part of the blood. You take out their whole blood, um, take out the, um, uh, you know, through a centrifuge, take out the clear part and put the red blood cells back in. And that'll be full of all the antibodies that are circulating, including the ones to, let's say, this mythical uh, hi- hypothetical coronavirus that we're, that we're wanting to kill in other people. One donor can then treat three people. And the great thing about this immunity that you would receive from this is that it's long-lasting. I mean, it's not just you don't have to give people a dose a day. You can give them one dose, and it'll last for two months. And uh, so you could use this on frontline people, but now they're not developing natural immunity. Now, if you give this to someone who's been infected and they're sick and giving them more antibodies will help them clear it faster, those people actually will develop their own immunity that hopefully will be long lasting. So uh, so convalescent serum is a is a great thing. There was a um, laboratory that just yesterday published a preliminary paper showing that they found a monoclonal antibody, and we'll discuss what that is in just a second, but it's an antibody, a human antibody, that uh, will block SARS-CoV-2 from entering human cells in cell culture, okay? So they're doing this in a test tube. But uh, they put the SARS-CoV-2 in there, and they put a bunch of human cells, and lo and behold, the in the presence of this antibody, they can't uh, connect, so this could also be a treatment. Instead of having to have people donate convalescent plasma, you just make gallons of this stuff in the laboratory and ship it out and charge people for it. So, And it's a single blocking antibody, so you're not getting all this other, other cofactors and all this other stuff that you get when you're uh, getting plasma from somebody. So do you donate plasma? Can you donate it in like a blood 
donate place? Yes. Or do you go to those really kind of scary places where you <laughs> sell plasma well, or, or both? Well, um, you can do both. Let me see, um, because we've got a question about blood donation. Let me see. Convalescent plasma donation. So let's just see, and I'll put COVID in there just so we get something specific. Uh, yeah, Red Cross. It says, uh, here's redcrossblood.org. And, uh, okay, the FDA also has a uh, website on this as well. Let me just see what they're saying. In coordination with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, that's the FDA, the Red Cross is seeking people who are fully recovered from the new coronavirus to sign up to donate plasma to help current COVID-19 patients. People who have fully recovered from COVID-19 have antibodies in their plasma that can attack the virus. Okay. Uh, they're saying the convalescent plasma is being evaluated as treatment for patients with serious or immediately life-threatening COVID-19 infections or those judged by a healthcare provider to be at a high risk of progression. So you will qualify if you're at least 17 years old and weigh 110 pounds. Check. Um, in good health, you generally feel well even if you're being treated for a chronic condition. Check. Have a prior verified diagnosis of COVID-19, but are now symptom-free and fully recovered. So, um, yeah, so there you go. So they say on here, if you're fully recovered from new coronavirus infection, meet the above criteria, fill out the donor eligibility form below. And you can get this at redcrossblood.org or just Google what I did, which was convalescent plasma donation COVID. Now, let's see what the FDA is saying. It's probably the same thing. Um, yeah, okay, so basically they're they're doing the same thing. And then there's a bunch of different places. How can I donate convalescent plasma? Several resources are available. America's Blood Centers, American Red Cross, Blood Centers of America, plasma donation places. There's a National COVID-19 Convalescent Plasma Project. Let's see what that's about. Well, I'm clicking on it, and it's going nowhere. So, okay. It's about nothing. <laughs> okay, so that is ccpp19.org, and enrollment for follow-up of treated patients. So there you go. So, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff on that. And then we're just waiting to see if this uh, monoclonal antibody comes out. You, you've seen these ads for, um, oh, I don't know, tocilizumab or something like that. Anything... Any ad that you see on TV with the words MAB at the end in the drug name, that's a monoclonal antibody. So what monoclonal antibodies are is where they've uh, fused a, uh, a, a, a basically immortal cancer cell line with cells that can produce antibodies. And so these things, when you fuse the two, they will continue to reproduce and pro continually produce antibodies. And um, so what you do is you take um, some antigen. Let's just say you've got a virus. You, you could. This is a real simplified version. You throw it in the vat with these cells, right? And now these cells start to produce antibodies. And uh, you would th then look for antibodies that you're wanting to uh, preserve, okay? And there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. You can use a chromatography. There's um, uh, uh, methods where you put antigen in uh, in a in a dish, and then you see if uh, it lights up. And if it lights up, that means that there's antibody there to that antigen. And then you isolate those cell lines that are producing that antibody. And when you do that successfully, and there's a whole technique for this. This used to be cutting edge science back in the in the 80s, and now they just use it, you know, as a as a tool. Uh, once you do that um, and isolate those, then they will just continue to produce antibody over and over again. You can grow these things in big vats and just have tons of antibody uh, produced. And I'm making it sound a lot simpler than it actually is, but it's, um, it's a very cool technique uh, to produce a single immune molecule that you can then use against disease. Hmm. So, so um, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. We really do want herd immunity, 
that's the answer to this so that we don't have to keep giving ourselves antibodies and medicines and treatments and all this stuff. We want to just make this virus go away by not allowing it to attach to any enough hosts to keep it uh, propagating through our communities. And uh, the best way to do that is through vaccine. Yeah, the the thought of living like this for two years just really... No, no. I, it, think of this, though. So let's just say we achieve herd immunity. We talked about it last show. There's a formula for it. We figured out that if the uh, number of people uh, each COVID-19 patient will infect is around 2.2, and that's the estimated number right now with the data that we have, uh, then you, the, the, the formula is F, which is the fraction of people needed to achieve herd immunity, equals 1 minus 1 over the, um, that number. So, uh, so 1 minus 1 over 2.2 is like 0.45. So the fraction needed is 50, you know, 0.55 or 55% of people to achieve herd immunity. But all that means is we've gotten the R0 or the number of people that each person is infecting less than 1. So let's say we reduce it to 0.9. The epidemic or pandemic isn't over on that day that we achieve herd immunity. What that means is 1,000 people will still infect 900 people, right? Mm -hmm. And then that 900 people will affect 80, you know, 810 people, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, uh, So it will decline over time, and it will eventually decline to zero, but it doesn't mean the end of it just because we've achieved herd immunity there will be a tailing off all right all right any other questions nope okay that you can try to stump me (laughs) (laughs) the angie's list you know and trust is now angie and we're so much more than just a list we still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. All right, let's do a non-COVID question for once. That would be nice. For once. Hey, Dr. Steve. My name is Ken. I'm 54 years old, weigh about 200 pounds, in decent health, work out several times a week, don't smoke, drink regular. Wait, in decent health? Mm-hmm. Or in decent health? Really, <laughs> but not to excess. Okay. My question has to do with my annual physical. Okay. My 
doctor retired a few years ago. He was in his late 70s. Uh The new doctor's younger, maybe in his mid-40s. When my previous doctor did my physical, I would get fully naked, and he would do a pretty thorough Mm. examination. Look up my nose, listen to my heart, fondle my balls, stick his finger up my ass, all that fun stuff. For God's sake. With the new guy, I don't even take my shirt off. All he does is take my blood pressure, read my EKG, and look at my blood my blood work. It's not that I miss the digital raping from the old guy. Yeah, I know. It's just that I feel the new guy is not doing a thorough job. Has blood tests advanced to the point that the old methods are no longer necessary? Appreciate it. Like the show. Thanks, I'm man. very interested to hear what you have to say about this yes. because, in my opinion, the new doctor is lazy. Okay, so there, he or she may be lazy, but they may also be adhering to the USPSTF, which is the U.S. Um, uh, something of something for screening. <laughs> I can't remember. I, I'm, you know, what is wrong? And it's because I'm old. But uh, the, so we have this organization called the USPSTF. And it's preventative uh, task force, right? And what they look at is evidence. What things help prevent death and destruction and what things are useless, right? So my dad was old school. He used to do this thing called an executive physical every year. And he would go to this hospital and they would spend a day in the hospital. He had a real funny story. They ran out of beds in the normal ward. And they put him in the psych ward and he had to have this sticker, right? And this was at Ford Hospital in Detroit. And he had to have the sticker for what part of the hospital that you're in. And so he would go stand in line, say, for the EKG. And he had this sticker that said uh, uh, that, you know, indicated that he was from the from the nutbag ward. Right. And everybody would get out of his way and say, oh, no, you go first. You go first. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm just they just put me back there. You know, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. And they're like, sure, sure. And I don't get excited. So it was a pretty funny story. But um, they, he, they would do EKGs. They would do treadmills. They would do all this stuff. And what we found is that uh, there is this thing called pretest probability. And pretest probability is just exactly what it sounds like. It's the odds that you're going to have the disease before you do the test. And what we found is when you have a very low pretest probability for something, then and then you have this test that looks for this thing, the odds are much more likely you're going to have a false positive than a true positive. So any positive test you get it doesn't really say that you've got the disease. It's just because of the way the math works, okay? So like a treadmill. If you take an 18-year-old kid and put him on a treadmill, there is a small possibility he's going to have a positive test. But that will almost surely be false positive because his pretest probability is as close to zero as you could possibly get. So screening people using a treadmill without taking into account what their probability of having heart disease it with is completely useless. Okay, I get that. What about okay. listening to the lungs? Yes, I'm presuming that they are doing that. You can do that over the shirt. It's kind of dumb. We're taught to do it skin to skin, but you could do that. But yes. It doesn't sound like that guy's getting even that. Well, let me tell you what the USPSTF recommends in somebody in his group. Okay. So uh, blood pressure should be measured at each visit beginning at eight, age 18. And they recommend annual screening for adults aged 40 years and older and for those who are at increased risk of high blood pressure. And people that, uh, that are at risk of high blood pressure, people with um, uh, high normal blood pressure, people who are overweight or obese, uh, certain um, um, Gender and racial groups could be higher or lower risk, and so they recommend that. Uh, women, they recommend uh, breast cancer screening beginning in their 20s. You know, be told about the benefits and limitations of breast self-exam, but that doesn't apply to this guy. Um, so, and he doesn't, it, you know, they have some guidelines on cervical cancer screening, but again, this is a dude. I'm just going to go through his, and we can talk about what women do. Cholesterol screening. Uh, that... Cholesterol screening should begin based on your other cardiac risk factors and any desire to be screened. So 
um, they do a 10-year risk um, and then uh, calculate, uh, you know, if you're at moderate to high risk, you should have your cholesterol screen. If you have a family history of early heart disease, uh, diabetes, immediately you should do it. But screening may begin in non-pregnant adults at any age, but no later than age 40. Okay. Now, uh, colorectal cancer screening. How old did he say he was? Was he like... Let's, let's run it back and just listen to the beginning. Hey, Dr. Steve. My name is Ken. I'm 54 years old. Okay, so 54, beginning at age 50. Both men and women at average risk for developing colorectal screening should use one of the following tests. Either a flexible sigmoidoscopy every five years, a colonoscopy every 10 years, a virtual colonoscopy, and, you know, those are not as, you know, the gold standard is colonoscopy, and um, uh, or you can also do tests that mainly find cancer, which are uh, tests like fecal occult blood testing, which is a really terrible test. It's not spe- sensitive nor specific, uh, or the DNA test, which is the Cologuard. You know, every every one to three years, and uh, it should be considered early or more often if people are at very high risk. My so, God, do you sell like crack? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard well, anybody's like all the time. phone go yep. off so often. Um, so then there's counseling. There should be counseling done. None of this has anything to do with sticking a stethoscope on somebody uh, about alcohol misuse, unhealthy use of drugs. Uh, violence, dental health, smoking, diet and exercise, that kind of stuff, right? Screening for depression. I feel like people want to get their money's worth and and need to at least have hands laid on at at, at some point. Yes. Now, um, there are studies that show that people feel like they got a better value out of their office visit if the the, – provider touches them at some point during the exam i would i would I believe that yes yeah, it, it, uh, human touch is a thing right now we're not touching people as much yeah you know we're certainly not shaking hands although i'll still listen and all that kind of stuff and i'll wear a mask when i'm when i'm actually examining somebody uh, more to keep me from infecting them if i'm asymptomatic than forgetting something from somebody i saw a great meme by the way about masks it said let me explain how masks work and it said two people are standing in front of each other and they're both pissing and now they're pissing on each other's leg right now if i wear my pants and you're pissing you'll i will block some of the piss from hitting my skin but I i'll still that. get wet you may have sent it to me but if you're wearing your pants, your pants get wet and you don't piss on me. So that's really the value of a mask at this point is to prevent asymptomatic people from transmitting it to somebody else. So let's look at some of the other screening things. Screen for depression. Screen for eye disease. Screen for hearing. Do a, a height and weight. You know, when you go in, they check your height and weight. Are you obese? Is your BMI greater than 25? Uh, and then... Um, asymptomatic adults without known liver disease should uh, uh, maybe be screened for hepatitis C at some point in their life. Uh, anyone who's ever injected illegal drugs or anything like that received certain clotting factors before 1987 should be checked for hepatitis C. And then a history and physical. Now, they say a complete history and physical, and this is where this guy's question comes in, at the discretion of the practitioner and patient. Okay. So that means, um, you know, getting out your stethoscope, going from head to toe, okay? And that's what this guy isn't getting. And, uh, you know, testicular uh, prostate cancer screening uh, can include a digital rectal exam, but can be done by blood, and it's not perfect because uh, no one can know through either a blood test very accurately or a digital rectal exam uh, whether a cancer that you have is fast-growing and is going to cause problems. If you take 70-year-old men and do an autopsy on all of them that did not die of prostate cancer, about half of them will have you know signs of early to late prostate cancer. It's crazy. Um, syphilis screening, testicular self-exam, 
uh, is not recommended because of the uncommon nature of the condition, the high cure rate when detected, uh, which is interesting, although I do recommend it. I say check your stupid nuts for lumps every day at the end of the show. That's mostly for young men, and the young men are never told about this stuff. Why? I don't know. I mean, women are told about self-breast exams all the time, but young men, I, you know, I, it's constant. If anybody ever counseled you on checking your nuts for lumps, no, I've never heard of it. And every year in October when we do our yearly Check Your Stupid Nuts for Lumps show, I'll get one or two people saying, hey, I found something and I went to my doctor and it was the thing and they took it off and I'm fine. Which is why all this silly nonsense that you do is so worth it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and that's what I'm going to say if anybody says anything to me about my extracurricular activities at work. (laughs) At work, we have actually saved lives on this dumb show. So anyway, uh, the old school sort of executive exam has gone by the wayside to a certain extent. And we've gotten down to certain things that have good evidence that they prevent um, that they prevent disease, mortality and uh, death down the road. And those are the things that we're concentrating on right now. So don't smoke. Get your cholesterol checked. If you're diabetic, get your sugars under control and follow your diet. You can cure type 2 diabetes, but it's so uncommon because it's so many people have difficulty actually following the diet that they need to follow. And a lot of nutritionists don't know how to counsel people to stop eating the things that they'll still. I've been in the hospital. People have been on diabetic diet, and there's mashed potatoes, and there's orange juice and stuff. There's just less of it. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, let's counsel the... uh, High green leafy vegetables, uh, lean animal protein, and next to zero carb diet. And uh, see how many people we can cure with type 2 diabetes, but that's a different show. We so show if you were that. to do a physical right now, yes, what would you lay hands on the patient? Yes, of course. I would look in their eyes. Um, I would ha- have them move their eyes, make sure they've got extraocular movements intact. I would look in their mouth and their nose. And what are you looking for when you do You're that? You're looking for tumors. and say, You know, the, you might see one or two things in your career. Uh, let's just say I heard of somebody once that looked in somebody's mouth during a routine physical and said, why do you have two tongues? And the person said, what the hell are you talking about? And, and the, this provider, let's say his name rhymes with, Shmeev, um said, why don't you look in the mirror and tell me what you see? And the uh, patient looked in the mirror and said, wow, yeah, I do have two tongues. How do you what do you know? And that ends up being something like a lymphoma or a tumor or something like that. So that's what you're looking for. Uh, you're looking for any kind of white spots or any gross that are abnormal. Uh, a, a thorough exam of the head and neck would include a bimanual exam. You know, when you have your pelvic exam and the person's got two fingers inside you and a hand outside poking around, mm-hmm. what they're looking for is trying to find your ovaries and uh, get them between those two hands and poke on them and see if they feel smooth Ugh. or lumpy and uh, feeling for any sort of extraneous masses or anything like that. In my career, I've found one mass that way. So this is very low yield, but it's also low invasiveness, too. You're just looking, you know. So any of these sort of screening tests that uh, don't require a lot of invasiveness, you might as well do them while you're there. And they take two seconds. You look in the mouth, you look in the nose, you look in the eyes, feel the throat. You uh, get behind the patient and you pull apart their um, neck muscles and then you'll take your hand and put it, I'm doing it to myself, can you tell? And you put it on their thyroid and have them swallow and then you can feel thyroid nodules that way. And then you do that again on the other side. You feel for nodes in the neck. That's screening for lymphoma. You feel for nodes above the uh, clavicle. So you're starting at the top and you're working your way down. Part of the th- in looking in their hair and feeling their scalp and looking for lumps there as well. Feel for nodes under the armpits. Um, you're going to uh, listen to the heart and lungs. Uh, you'll po- palpate the abdomen. You're looking for liver. 
So you look under the right side of the rib cage, you're looking for an enlarged liver. Under the left side of the rib cage, you're looking for an enlarged spleen. And then you're feeling, can you feel an abdominic aneurysm? Well, now let's listen. Can you hear blood rushing through the abdomen? If so, there may be an aneurysm in the abdomen, in which case then you would, that's your screening test. You would do a more specific test like an abdominal ultrasound. Then as you work your way down, uh, you're going to feel for pulses in the wrists, uh, pulses in the feet, behind the ankles, uh, feel for pulses in the groin. Um, you can listen to the pulses in the groin. Are there any whooshing sounds there? Are there any whooshing sounds in the pulses in the neck? You know, that would indicate uh, stenosis or or narrowing of those vessels that would require further look. Then... Um, you get the person up. If it's a male, you invaginate their scrotum, which sounds horrible. But what you're really doing is you're taking your, their scrotum and you're putting your finger at the, at the part that hangs down the most and then pushing up past the testicle to kind of make a, an, in, an inverted glove, right? And you're sticking your finger up into the inguinal canal, feeling for a hernia or masses. Get them to turn their head and cough. Why do they turn their head? So they're not coughing on your stupid head. That's the only reason. Right. Or you can just have them bear down and then you do that. And then you feel the testicles. You feel for lumps, um, uh, hydrocele's, any sort of masses in there. Uh, make sure that the testicles are both there because sometimes you'll have someone that's got a retracted or a non-descended testicle. They're at higher risk for uh, having a, a testicular cancer. Um, then where are we? So we're in the, oh, then, then your rectal exam, you have them bend over, you stick their, you know, obviously put a glove on, lube it up, stick your finger up and press down toward the ground if they're bended, bent over on the table in front of you. And what you're going to feel there is this sort of rubbery walnut shaped thing. And that's the prostate. And this is in a male, of course. And um, you're looking for masses or enlargement there. And as your finger comes out, there's going to be stool on it most of the time. You put that on, an, on a um, hemocult slide, put a little drop of f developer on there and see if it turns blue. If it does, that's a sign of blood in the rectum, which can come from a million different things, including you sticking your finger up their ass. Uh, and then work your way down, uh, check the joints. You know, are there any effusions, redness of the joints? You're looking at the skin the whole time. Are there any melanomas or irregularly uh, pigmented, weird-shaped things or cysts or anything? Ooh, cysts that you can then cut out later. Um, and uh, then work down to the feet and look for uh, abnormalities of the feet. And that's a complete sort of physical exam. That's, I probably skipped some stuff. I but. mean, that sounds more thorough than what yeah. I hear people getting yeah. these days. Well, that is that is a thorough physical exam that's pretty easy to do. It only takes a couple of minutes to do. But none of that, because as I said, it's so low yield. So the under the tongue, say mass, I found one, maybe two in my career. Uh, some of those things that I was telling you about, you know, finding thyroid nodules that I didn't know about before, that's very unusual, maybe one or two in my career. So when you're talking about a 35-year career, they're very low yield, but they're also just take two seconds to do, so why not do them? But they're not required, and they do not doing those things has not been shown to increase mortality or morbidity in a statistically significant way. And that's why the USPS or USPSTF has pared it down to these things that are essential to do. And that's what a lot of doctors are doing these days. Okay. okay. That makes sense. So it's okay. not necessarily them being lazy or No, it's poor. just, you it's know, they're training them a little different. You know, what? what's the evidence show that's really going to benefit the patients? Now, obviously, if you look under somebody's tongue and you find a lymphoma or some mass under there, you've done them a great service. But... Um, uh, and so that's why I would do it, because I'm old school. Hell, I'm old, you know. But I also understand the wisdom of um, not doing a whole lot of things that really don't have any value. Like my dad's executive physical. All the stuff that he did back then did nothing to really show that he was healthy or not healthy because his pretest probability was so low that it, wa it wasn't really worth doing, you know. That's why we don't do screening EKGs on people. 
you know, and uh, you could think of a bunch of other things that we don't do is screening treadmills. We don't do that. You've got to have a pretest probability of around 50, at least 50 percent before we'll put somebody on a treadmill to look for cardiac disease, because otherwise the numbers don't work out. You know, if they've already had a heart attack. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. So they've had a heart attack. You know, they have coronary disease and then you put them on a treadmill. What's that going to do if it says they don't have it? Are you going to believe it? No, you know they have it. And if it says they have it, it's just telling you what you already knew. So there are some reasons to put people with heart disease on a treadmill, but it's not to diagnose whether or not to screen for whether or not they have heart disease. Okay. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, th- this we've got just two minutes left. This is about those drug discount cards. This uh, pharmacist called in about it. I wanted to play this and see what he had to say. Hey, Dr. Steve, I'm a pharmacist, and last week you asked why Medicare D does not uh, accept the coupons. The reason why is that these are used for more expensive brand name drugs. Okay, this I uh, um, what what he's talking about is these discount cards that you can get, like if you go to, I don't know, um, you know, amatiza.com or something like that, and then you can get a discount card for this branded drug. Mm-hmm. And so he's starting out saying it's because they're for the branded drugs, which is true. That's right. Yes. A lot of times these are of little or no advantage to the cheaper generics, which are currently on the market. When we use these coupons, it perpetuates that cycle of direct-to-consumer ads, which is part of why here in America we pay, as you know, twice as much uh, health care dollars as anyone else, but we don't live any longer. Your pharmacist can use a discount coupon for any Medicare DRX, but it won't go directly to your deductible, and so you need to contact your third party and figure it out with them. Okay, I... I kind of disagree with this. We don't have a lot of time, so let's save this till next time. I'm going to save his call. And the, the reason I disagree with it is there are certain branded drugs. Let's say Relistor is a good example. Relistor is um, methylnaltrexone. It's used for opioid-induced constipation. And there really is no generic equivalent of that. No. So there's not a cheaper generic drug that would work. He may be of the opinion, though, that it's no better than polyethylene glycol. Okay, so polyethylene glycol being a brand name Miralax is an osmotic laxative, but we use this stuff for people who are refractory to that stuff. And so all they're doing is just making it so Medicare patients have to pay this huge copay, and everybody else gets a free ride. Yes, so I I disagree with his argument. Um, But everybody has different opinions when it comes to drugs. I agree. And you know what we ought to do is we have a really good friend who's a pharmacist, and he's pretty balanced of mind. Let's get him in here and see if he can answer some of these questions. I think that'd be a great idea. I I do not want to get into the... Drug costs and health care costs and all that stuff. My God, Big that pharma, would go on. Man. That would go on forever, and yeah. just it just doesn't. Well, you do can't convince anybody, anybody any good. No, I, everybody's got their opinions, and they're not going to change them. I, I, so, I want to save people money, and um, those, a coupon would do that. A, a coupon will do that. You say coupon? That's interesting. I say coupon. Yeah, I heard you make fun of somebody who said that the other day. You say coupon? Thought, well, really? That's how I say it. <laughs> yeah, I thought, there you go. Um, C-O-U-P. So is it a chicken cube or is it a chicken coop? Oh, well, that's oh, C-O-O-P. No, I'm just asking. I don't know what's right. It's a chicken coop. Right, that's a chicken coop. But that's C-O-O-P. So let me see. If you're Oh, if you're going to recoup something, that's C-O-U-P, right? It's interesting. I don't know where that coupon came from. So we'll have to, let's look into that too. We'll bring that. Remind Maybe my mother. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Rebate. How about that? Well, you'd, you'd say all kinds of stuff if it was your mother. She calls it the Walmart. And does she say credit? She may say credit and vomit, but you don't say those things. <laughs> no. You know how to say them. Yes. So, yeah, I'm going to look that up too. I wonder where that, oh, which yes, one is right? Please do look it up. Okay. I can tell you're thrilled. Um, what else? Okay, so, yeah, we'll do that. We'll get our pharmacist friend in here next time. So, and we can social distance. You're, we'll have him sit there, and you can sit next to me. And then it, we're six feet away. That table's six feet long. There yeah. you go. Or, or actually, next week I won't be here, so maybe. Uh, no, I want you to be here for that. Don't you want to oh, be here for that? Oh, okay. 
I would. <laughs> you're so sincere. <laughs> well, thanks. Always go to Tacey. We can't forget Rob Sprantz. Well, we can. We can forget Rob Sprantz. Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, um, Matt Hoffman, Ron Bennington and Fez Watley, who supported this show, has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel. SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week Just for the next it. edition Just of answer Weird Medicine. It. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, I'm answering it. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.